Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm Sabrina Merchant, joined by Christian Rivas. And the Lakers just lost to the Philadelphia 76ers, which is their fourth loss in a row. Uh, I feel like I was much more chipper when we recorded last week, and I'm thinking that's because they hadn't lost four games in a row at that point. I think they <laughs> just won the night before. But, you know, the Lakers are without Anthony Davis and LeBron James, so it's not wholly unexpected that they would lose. But there were parts of this game that were more frustrating than they needed to be and as much as I hate to lobby up with the negative question question um did you feel similarly while you were watching yeah that third quarter wasn't great I'm gonna be honest um especially when followed by such a promising half from the mm-hmm. Lakers like from the jump Marcus Saul's return was felt immediately especially for a guy like Contavious Caldwell Pope when the ball wasn't moving without LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or Marcus on the lineup, um, his value kind of plummeted, which kind of led to Lakers fans grabbing their pitchforks and trying to force him out at the trade deadline. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, ult- ultimately there, there were a lot of things that, that went wrong in that third quarter. I, I don't know what you can take. That was good from it. Fourth quarter was a little bit better, but yeah, third quarter, sticking point in that game yeah so I I mean I I feel like I've been pretty clear about this that I did not like the Dennis Schroeder trade when it happened and this is just one of those games where it really just sticks it to you how much I didn't like the Dennis Schroeder trade because for one he's he's really nice lead guard you know he can score for himself he's ball handler I wouldn't call him necessarily a creator for his teammates and that you kind of feel the absence of that when LeBron James is also not there because, you know, Alex Caruso isn't a traditional point guard. He's not creating for other guys. He can defend point guards, but he's not initiating the offense the way that you need your number one guy to. And Taylor Horton Tucker has been hit or miss sometimes. Like when a defense knows what he's going to do, they just read exactly what his move is and then just take the ball away from him, which the Sixers are really, really good at doing. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those games where you felt – the absence of shot creation on the Lakers roster and Schroeder was the guy who was supposed to address that, you know, in the, and it's when LeBron James was sitting and it was, it was a bit of a bust, I would say in that respect, just today, you know, not, not overall. And then of course, on the other end of things, you have <laughs> Danny green raining fire, um, just like his first game in Staples center last season, you know, where he put up 28 points and I just love this stat so much set a record for a Laker in his debut, which I mean, God, Anthony Davis was in that game and Danny Green <laughs> set a record for a Laker in his debut. But yeah, when, when Danny Green took like one three over Schroeder, I was just like, this is this is like perfectly designed to test me. And I think I am failing. Um, but I love Danny Green. And I I got a little emotional watching him hug everybody on the bench afterwards. And like, I mean, he even gave like Kostas like a big, big thing. And I'm like, there's no way you guys are this close, but like... <laughs> This is really know. nice to see. It, I, you get a lot close with a lot of guys in the bubble, in I the think. the bubble, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think that you can say that the Lakers necessarily played bad defense because Danny Green made eight threes because that happens when a guy mm-hmm. is a quality of a shooter that he is. But I also think that there were defensive mistakes that the Lakers made, which made it a little more infuriating to watch, like especially during that third quarter, which really was where the game was lost because they made a really nice run to end the second quarter to, you know, tie it into halftime and then 
they come back into third and you look up and they're already down 10. And there's this one stretch where Danny hits a three steal. Danny hits a three next possession. Seth Curry hits a three next possession. Danny misses offense rebound. Danny hits a three. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I mean, that's the game right there. And all credit to the Lakers for fighting their way back and getting to within three points uh, in the fourth quarter. I think they got within three, right. And then Danny hit a three and then it was no longer within three, but uh that was a tough shot too. Kuz played great defense. Kuz was right Arm up on him all the way up, and it, Danny did not care. Most of the times when I said that the Lakers played great defense today, it ended up resulting in a shot. Like there was that play at the end of the third quarter where Wes was just right up on Shake Milton. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is perfect defense to end the clock, and then the shot goes in, and it's just one of those nights, you know, where the Lakers made how many threes did the Lakers make? the The volume that they took was just so much smaller than what. Philadelphia was dealing with right so the Lakers made nine out of 26 threes and the Sixers made 17 out of 45 which when you don't have the dominating inside players like LeBron James and Anthony Davis I would hope that the Lakers would take more threes but then again like I'm not exactly clamoring for THT and Alfonso McKinney to be jacking up more shots like <laughs> uh it's it's just hard to find what's going to work for the Lakers during these next three weeks and yeah there were it was a nice stretch in the fourth quarter where, you know, they got out in transition and got back into the game, but the Sixers have a habit of, you know, sort of slowing things down in the fourth quarter and letting teams back in. They, they did that in Philadelphia when the Lakers at full strength yeah. led them. Right. So I, I'm at a little all over the place, but it was just a weird game to watch because I want to be happy about the things that the Lakers did well, but I feel just a little bit more glum about the prospect of having to watch games like this for a few more weeks. Yeah, it brings you back to the rebuilding Lakers a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like there are good things to take away from the game, but they're not wins. Mm-hmm. The only difference between then and now is we, we want those wins. wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it w- yeah, it was a rough game. I really hope we don't see the 76ers in the postseason because it just seems like Shake Milton and Tobias Harris always have our number. Um I understand. See, I would be perfectly happy seeing the Sixers in the postseason <laughs> because that would mean we'd made the finals. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know what it is. Like I understand Tobias is having a great season, but he looks like prime Tracy McGrady every time he plays the <laughs> Lakers, and Shake Milton looks like prime like Isaiah Thomas, not and then, Boston Celtics Isaiah Thomas. And then Danny Green <laughs> looks like Reggie Miller. So. Right. <laughs> it's when you're going up against those surefire yeah, the, Hall of Famers. The 1996 Eastern Conference All Stars. Yeah. It's really difficult. <laughs> it is. It is tough. Uh, but uh, who who knows when the Lakers will win again? They got the Cavaliers on Friday. That's probably a winnable game, but. What is actually a win? Like, is Marcus all going to play tomorrow, or are we going to mm-hmm. have to roll out Devonte Kaycock at at center again? I'll tell you what; it was real nice having a center Absolutely. on the floor. Ten out of ten recommend having a center on the floor. <laughs> the 76ers didn't have a center on the floor because Dwight Howard and Montrezl Harrell got a little chippy. But um, if yeah, if your team can employ a center, put him out on the floor. Um, like, especially in the starting lineup, I would do it. The Dwight Howard thing was a little annoying because I know Dwight Howard can get under people's skins and like, <laughs> it's not just Montrezl Harrell. He was getting underneath the referee's skins, clearly. Uh, it just seems like the volume of technical fouls has gotten up a little bit recently. And 
maybe everyone's a little bit on edge, you know, they're all dealing with these unnatural protocols during the season and they hear everything that everybody is saying and they're trying their very best to call the games the same way they have been. But I want to say Schroeder has been teed up at least like four of the last five games. Yeah. And we knew when we got Schroeder that he was a guy who can be a little bit of a punk sometimes. <laughs> like I think passionate that was, that was fireball. part of the draw with him right. was that he has that fieriness to him. It's not exactly working in his favor all the time. You know what it is? It's, I'm against the whole bullying works narrative. I am mm-hmm. on record with that. However, <laughs> in the case of the referees, not having fans to boo them and tell them they suck, I think has gone to their head a little bit. Lakers <laughs> had like 50 fans in the stands on, on Thursday. And, you know, with the whole vaccine rollout in California going better than expected, I expect more fans in the stands eventually, but. I hope all 50 of them let them know, let the refs know their feelings because I think <laughs> they need it. They need, to, they need to be brought down to earth sometimes. Yeah, they do. Um, but I, I don't want to talk too much about the refs. Uh, I thought... You can't get fined. I know. I, <laughs> I was on a Zoom with Paul George earlier today who said he had 35,000 reasons to not want to talk about the refs. So, <laughs> you know, good for him. I want 35,000 reasons. <laughs> to do anything, really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh the, the Dwight matchup is a little bit difficult for Trez, uh, you know, whether or not he deserved to be ejected, that definitely worked out in the Lakers' favor. And Trez, just by hook or by crook, seems to finish with at least 15 points every game, no matter how many he starts the fourth quarter with, because he just has that total in mind and he knows he's going to get to it no matter what. And that happened again at the end of the game. Uh, there was one, uh, like, sort of like, turnaround like hook floater thing that he hit over Ben Simmons, which was just astounding. You know, he does some really impressive things in the post, especially when teams are forced to go a little bit smaller, uh, which the Sixers obviously were because they didn't have Dwight or Tony Bradley. And there's only so much that you can play G league MVP B-ball Paul Reed, no matter how much fun his name is to say, but I liked Kuzma a lot today. I mean, his touch around the rim was a disaster, but or at least he was getting there, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then that, that steal that he made at the end uh, when they were trying to enter the ball to Tobias Harris was really impressive. And again, like you said, that defense on Danny Green on the final shot was really good. It just better offense beat it. Uh, it's one of those games where, again, I, I'm just reminded of the fact that the Lakers have a ton of complimentary players and it's like, they don't have a sun to orbit anymore. Right. Like I, I think I've mm. read that metaphor a number of times but yeah I I have no real problems with the way this roster was constructed we were just never planning for this situation and I know it's not the Lakers fault and they're doing their best I do think that they could have been smarter with their decision making in the third quarter but like if you're going to play one bad quarter out of four I get that it's going to happen yeah we just have no margin of error at this point and it's really hard to watch because it, this is not what's supposed to be happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only like if the NBA had something in like the middle of the season where you could address flaws you have in your roster <laughs> in some way, that would be great. Like, especially right now, if that happened like today, I think the Lakers probably would be able to, to get back on track a little bit. Um, you know, like shot creation, for example, shot creation and three-point shooting, those would have been nice things to have. But unfortunately, 
uh, that that is not the world we live in. And um, the roster you start with the start the season with is the one you have to end the season with. Well, you know, um, in the event that there were something during the middle of the season where a team could address those needs, that's a fun little hypothetical that we can talk about after the break. <laughs> All right. The Lakers played tonight against the 76ers. They lost by eight. Uh, it was a three point game within the final minute. And then Danny Green did his thing. And I wouldn't call him a consistent star like Daryl Morey does, but you know, he's pretty good tonight. <laughs> uh, the real story of the day though, because I think we probably expected the Lakers to lose to the Sixers just based on who was available is that today was the NBA trade deadline. And you may have forgotten if you were a Laker fan, because the Lakers didn't make any trades for the second straight year. And it's not wholly, you know, surprising that the Lakers didn't make any trades because they were limited in the terms of assets they could offer. Right. You know, they've got the one first round pick in 2027 that they were able to trade. And most of the, large enough salaries on their team belong to players who actually contribute. So it's hard to come up with a workable trade. However, Adrian Wojnarowski screwed us because he made us believe (laughs) for 24 hours that Kyle Lowry was a realistic possibility. He goes on ESPN at Woj Low trade deadline special on Wednesday. And he says, you know, beware of the Lakers as a potential suitor for Kyle Lowry. And it's like, what? We don't have the salary to work for Kyle Lowry. We don't have the assets to get Kyle Lowry. Mm -hmm. And then teams just start dropping, right? Like (laughs) Philly makes a deal for George Hill. Like Miami's a little quiet. The chatter keeps saying that, you know, the Lakers have offered Dennis Schroeder, KCP for Kyle Lowry. Apparently the Raptors are listening. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) And then the sticking point is Taylor Horton Tucker. I'm thinking, you know, the Lakers are probably still going to get this done because the Raptors have so clearly telegraphed that they are going to trade Kyle Lowry. They basically had like a goodbye party for him yeah, on Zoom Lowry last night. In, he was in tears. He had it Drake was, FaceTiming yes. him during the press conference. Uh, all indications were that the Raptors were going to trade. I mean, they dumped like four guys via yeah. just Ugh. random salary dumps throughout the league. Like <sighs> Sacramento gets Terrence Davis, Utah gets Matt Thomas. Like these guys are just, they were roster spots being cleared mm-hmm. for the imbalanced trade. That is Schroeder, KCP and THD. Miami falls out by getting Oladipo right before the deadline. It's like, Oh my God, is yeah. this happening? I, by, by that time I was, I was like, I was checking my bank account to see if I could budget for a jersey. And then it happened. And then Woj tweets. Not the trade. Yeah. Woj tweets that the Raptors are keeping Kyle Lowry, which, you know, I, I would have been fine with that outcome if 24 hours earlier he had not said, watch out for the Lakers and the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. Because then he gave us hope. And then that hope built and built. It sort of crescendoed at 11.59-ish. And then it was a disaster. <laughs> it was a lot like this game that we just watched. Yeah. And there was a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope. A little bit of crescendo. You know, the Lakers down three and then... And you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if that's the last time we'll, we'll feel that feeling this week. This week? Oh, yeah. yes. But we can, uh, we can get into that a little bit later. So let, let's just start here. Um mm-hmm. I may have taken a little bit too long with this description of the no, Kyle Lowry trade, but it was I, 
You, mwah, beautiful. <laughs> it was a really, it was an emotional time for me this morning. Like I thought we were on the pinnacle of something. And I guess you can tell from my reaction here that I would have done the trade. Yeah. I don't think that Taylor Horton Tucker is a worthwhile sticking point when you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis and you can add Kyle Lowry, who was arguably, arguably the MVP of the 2019 finals. There's yeah. a case to be made there. Although nobody voted for him, even though Hubie Brown voted for Fred Van Bleet, and I don't want to get into that. But <laughs> Kyle Lowry, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, that's a team that can win a title, like mm-hmm. handily, I think. So I, I would have made the deal. Where do you stand, Christian? Lakers fans aren't going to like me for this, but the fact that, and we're assuming all of this is true and it actually happened that Taylor mm-hmm. Horton Tucker was a sick point in the trade talk. If that is the case, that is a very Danny Ainge esque stance to take <laughs> with a star on the line. Like, we're not going to give you this very unpolished player who we're probably going to have to overpay to keep. Um, this next summer and for a player that maximizes this championship window with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I'm not saying Rob Palinka is Danny Ainge because, you know, the Lakers have Anthony Davis and the Celtics don't, but it was reminiscent of a lot of conversations we've heard about the Celtics almost landing a star and them not wanting to give up like semi Ojale or uh, God, what's his name? I, um, the guy from France that is not in the league anymore. REA? Um No. No. Ah. It what was it's he? Not I don't Roddy know. Bubois. That's Dallas. No, 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 no. I just I remember France, who's no him being league. very thick is all I can remember. <laughs> uh but yeah, it it was interesting. I I would have done the trade. I I understand the argument against making the trade. He turned 35 on the day of the trade deadline. What a fun birthday. <laughs> Contavious Caldwell Pope, Dennis Schroeder, and Taylor Horton Tucker are three guys that are currently in the rotation. And there's no guarantee that you'd be able to get a guy even better than the worst player of those three on the buyout market. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that, right? It's Kyle Lowry. He is a very good player on both ends of the floor. And if all he wanted was like, a two-year, $50 million contract to go with whatever team he committed to. We got the money. We're the Lakers, you know? Uh, So I I was a little disappointed they didn't make the trade. The thing that disappointed me more, though, I think, was the fact that they didn't have a contingency plan because we know that it was a possibility the Lakers wouldn't get Kyle Lowry. If you told me 48 hours ago the Lakers weren't going to get Kyle Lowry, I'd say... Yeah, that makes sense. The Lakers can't trade for Kyle Lowry or anybody for that matter. However, if there was one trade or or a, a move the Lakers were going to make at the deadline, I thought it would involve Alfonso McKinney and a second round pick or two for some shooting or some playmaking or even a center. That that I mean, they, if they think they're getting Drummond, maybe not a center, but. The point is, the fact that they didn't make any moves, I think, disappointed me a little bit. Because I think a case can be made that they should have made at least one move. So I don't really have a problem with not having a contingency plan because 
I don't think there was anyone who would have moved the needle for the Lakers other than Kyle Lowry. So you go big and it didn't work. And now you go to the buyout market. I'm totally fine with that because I wouldn't want them to have settled for somebody who might not even be in the rotation every day, you know, uh, maybe like a George Hill was out there, but I don't think that you should trade KCP for George Hill. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's not even the level of trade I'm talking about. Right. Like I'm talking a veterans minimum swap for a veterans minimum. Like, I don't know if Wayne Ellington was available. Right. Uh, the fact that he's isn't going to get bought out apparently, which is insane to me. <laughs> um, I think if you could have, I mean, Evan Fournier was had for Two a pair second of second rounders. round picks. Right. Um, the we Lakers didn't have obviously, a salary for that. yeah. But a, a, a player like Wayne Ellington or God, just somebody new. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. I like shiny toys. Maybe sure. that's it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I would have liked to see them add some shooting or, or something. And the fact that they didn't, I'm, I'm not like, oh, no, the Lakers aren't going to win a championship now because Wayne Ellington isn't on the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think knowing what we or, or the way the buyout market's currently shaping up, I think the Lakers were far more likely to find that difference maker, whether it's just like a pure three point shooter in a trade like that, than they are in the buyout market. Cause I don't know how you feel about the way the, the buyout market's looking, but I, I don't see it. I don't see the, the guys that are out there. Yeah. So I'll get to the buyout market in just in one sec, but one more thought about the trade. Uh, I have seen some like speculation that the Lakers didn't know if Kyle Lowry would be willing to sign in Los Angeles afterwards, or maybe like they didn't want to give him the contract that Mm -hmm. he would have asked for, you know, coming off of last season when presumably the Lakers would have been back-to-back champions and you got to pay Kyle Lowry. But if you're going to extend Dennis Schroeder at 20 million a year or whatever figure he's asking for, I assume it's going to be around 18 to 20 million a year because he's already on a deal that pays him 17 million currently. And now he's a starter. And if you're going to pay KCP another 13 million, why not put that 30 million into Kyle Lowry? Like, I don't really see the problem there. So if this was a a financial thing that the Lakers were talking, I'd be very disappointed, Mm -hmm. especially because now we know that extension talks with Schroeder have not been going well. So it's not even a guarantee that we're going to be keeping him for the upcoming season, which would be a really big hole to have to fill for the Lakers. I've made my feelings about Schroeder very clear, but on a team with LeBron James, it makes sense to have him. You know, it just mm-hmm. looks a little bit worse when he's not there, obviously. So I'm going to be thinking about this training for a very long time because <laughs> I like Taylor Horton Tucker quite a bit. I just know that LeBron James is 36 years old and there is a window and I think the Lakers could have cracked it. Mm-hmm. Didn't. And I'm all for, you know, Palinka setting a line as to what he's willing to give up because you know, you have to think about the long-term, right? Like the, the Lakers gave up a lot of their future assets for Anthony Davis. Absolutely the right move. But you can't just do that all the time. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a defense to be made for not making the trade. There's a defense to make for making the trade. Yeah. I have just, I'm going to have to come to terms with the fact that it didn't happen because it's, <laughs> it's a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. I, these 24 hours of thinking I was going to have Kyle Lowry in my life were just, <laughs> it was a wild time. But buyouts, buyouts. Um, just got a note in our Slack uh, from Harrison that LaMarcus Aldridge will be having conversations with the Lakers, Clippers, and Nets along with the Heat, where he is rumored to go. That is interesting because 
everyone has long suspected that he was a foregone conclusion to Miami. Do you like LaMarcus Aldridge on the Lakers? Do you think that makes any sense with this current roster? I mean, I, I think when it comes to the buyout market, really all you want is the best player available. Like if you can get LaMarcus Aldridge on the Lakers, I think that would be fine, uh, especially in the short term, because you look at, I, I think a report came out today from Shams Charania of The Athletic um, that it's possible that Anthony Davis isn't going to be back for another two weeks and LeBron James is going to be out four to six months. Weeks. I understand Lamar. What happened? Weeks. Oh, yeah. Months, yeah. <laughs> My bad. God. Um, That's why we didn't trade for Kyle Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, so like, yeah, having a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge, who I understand hasn't had the greatest season uh, uh, of his career would be useful somehow. I don't think it's a realistic possibility. It seems like all signs pointed to him signing with the heat as soon as he got bought out. I don't, I don't know what this is, but I'm interested, but not more interested than I am in like an actual center. Okay. Speaking of actual centers, um, all of the noise like LaMarcus to Miami had been Mm -hmm. suggesting Drummond to the Lakers up until like a few hours ago when (laughs) apparently Andre Drummond's agent realized that the Knicks have some salary cap space and could thus offer him a real contract, unlike the minimum that he is certain to get from the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The latest report from Chris Haynes is that Drummond is going to be taking pitches from the Knicks, Lakers, Clippers, Celtics, and Hornets because the Celtics just salary dumped Daniel Tice for no good reason. I don't know what that was, but we don't really need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you still think, like, uh, despite all this smoke, that Andre Drummond is coming to the Lakers? And it sounds like you prefer him over Aldridge. Yeah. Um, so when when I was talking about us not feeling feeling that glimmer of hope and then it quickly fading, I was referring to Drummond because yeah. I I think those stupid glamour markets taking our free agents <laughs> away. <laughs> So the argument, similar to the Lari situation, really, the argument for Drummond to the Lakers was so hard to make compared to other teams. Like the Nets have more money than mm-hmm. the Lakers and a starting spot to offer him, assuming they don't like Jeff Green at center, which at this point seems like a pretty large assumption to make. I think earlier this week, I, I read that the Nets interest in Andre Drummond waned when they signed to Blake Griffin, which mm-hmm. I mean, listen, man, if they're gonna go ultimate or like a new version of small ball with steve nash and mike d'antoni more power to them um but the knicks are another case where i i don't think it makes much sense for the knicks but for andre drummond if you want to get paid the knicks may absolutely make more sense than the lakers and if you're i i don't know anything about andre drummond as a person i'm I don't, i'm not questioning his i know his nickname drive. is the big penguin on basketball reference <laughs> which i <laughs> like I love it so much, but doesn't give me a lot of hope that he's like a killer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I I also uh while I was with Dime, mm-hmm. uh I wrote a story on him. I guess part of his daily routine is drinking a beer a day to get to his calorie count. So <laughs> Andre Drummond, one of us. One um, of us. <laughs> but no, I it I again I don't I don't know him. I don't know him as a competitor, but me personally if the Knicks are coming in hot with like $10 million for me to be their starting center in New York, 
versus having all these expectations going into the Lakers, who Lakers fans seem determined that the the missing piece the Lakers need is a center. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the Knicks. Like, <laughs> what are we? What are we even talking about? So that that's my mindset with. Andre Drummond, I understand that all signs have pointed him to signing with the Lakers up until now. Uh, but for all of the reasons I, I outlined, even with all of that context, I would not be surprised if Andre Drummond didn't end up in a in a Lakers uniform. So the Knicks thing is weird to me because they have Mitchell Robinson. Right. They have Nerlens Noel. Yeah. I mean, they have Taj Gibson playing center right now, but that's obviously not a future concern. But you can't play Mitchell Robinson and Andre Drummond together. That's just not an option, I, I don't think, unless Tibbs is just going real nuts over in New York. So the fit with the Knicks doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yes, they have the money, but why would they want to offer it to Drummond is a real question. So I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned about that potential landing spot just because I know the Knicks are going to Knicks. You know, it's what they do, but they have to have a little more foresight than just completely blocking Mitchell Robinson from a starting spot. Then again, you know, I'm not going to let like six months of competence destroy the fact that again, these are the Knicks. The Brooklyn thing is also interesting because like you said, they have that stable player exception, $5.7 million, a lot more than what the Lakers can offer. They've got Jeff Green. They've got Blake Griffin. They've got DeAndre Jordan. They've got Nick Claxton. They've got Bruce Brown who does center things. Um, I just don't know what Andre Drummond is going to do on that team. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers, the real pitch is, hey, you can start at center, you know, like you can play a lot of minutes at center and you're going to look good playing next to our other guys. And yeah, it's a minimum contract and you're going to lose your bird rights and that sucks. But this is a way to showcase you for your next contract. Like, I think that opportunity is better with the Lakers and with any other team. I know like the Hornets are on the list, like I guess he'd be a good fit there. Like they don't really have a center other than Cody Seller, who's just incredibly brittle and not available as often as you want him to be. The disrespect to Bismack Biombo. No, there's I <laughs> I have no good things to say about Bismack Biombo. <laughs> he must be a very nice guy. But I think if he's wanting to showcase himself, that best opportunity is with the Lakers. Cause like even the Clippers were on that list. They had Zubach. You're not playing him over Zubach. Yeah. So to me, it would make sense for him to want to come to the Lakers. And I'm of the belief that the Lakers don't really need a center, but they have mm-hmm. two roster spots. So I don't hate if one of them gets used on Andre Drummond. And, you know, with Mark back, even in this limited role, like I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel where we don't need a Drummond. Right. <laughs> but if he came here, he would be used. So I, I don't see the reason why he would not do what about LaMarcus? Where are you at on, on that front? LaMarcus well, just looks a little stiff. Um, <laughs> like he can't move as well as you want him to. And I know that Andre Drummond has never been a very good defender, like relative to his reputation. You know, obviously he's a tremendous defensive rebounder. He's like a big presence in the paint. He can block shots. That's never quite added up to defensive success on the team level the way you'd want it to. But the physical tools are there for Frank Vogel to make something out of him. I really believe that he could succeed in the Frank Vogel system. Right. I just don't know that LaMarcus has that in him anymore. And there's no, there's no way I would say that like Marky Morris is a better player than LaMarcus Aldridge, but we have that archetype filled in. And I think it would just be way too much of like a culture shock for LaMarcus to come to the Lakers and have to accept a smaller role. And I don't really know what we'd do with him because 
again, the mobility is just not there. So if it's one or the other, I would definitely take Drummond, but like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm on the Orlando let's buy out auto Porter train and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I am 100% with you on the Lakers, not absolutely needing a center. Like, let's just say the worst case for the Lakers is Andre Drummond signing with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Their worst case is still better than a lot of teams' best cases. Cause before LeBron James and Anthony Davis got hurt, their starting unit was destroying worlds mm-hmm. together. They were really, really good. And that's in spite of Marcus all not playing up to the expectations that apparently a lot of Lakers fans had for him. Apparently a lot um, of the Lakers front office had of him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, that's fine. If the backup plan is just bringing Damian Jones in, in, in that limited role, uh, I'm not the biggest Damian Jones fan myself. I think his defense is just bad, but I think if you, if you're the Lakers you're not really, you're not bringing in a Damian Jones archetype or an Andre Drummond archetype to to anchor your defense. You have somebody that can do that in Anthony Davis when he's healthy. Uh, I think it's more of having a lob threat, somebody that you know can make those shots that Javale McGee and Dwight Howard did last season. I get that. Otto Porter would be my number one. I don't know if he's going to get bought, and, and that's the thing. Who's getting bought out? Because I don't know. Otto Porter's apparently not getting bought out. Am I interested in a Fiondu Kevin Gelle? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> um, he already has a place in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, again, and two two kings that I didn't think were going to be the kings bought out uh, is Kevin Gelle and Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker, you and I mm-hmm. probably could have guessed because he's been out of the rotation since basically the day he he came to Sacramento. I think Hassan Whiteside was a guy that a lot of people were expecting the Kings to buy out Mm because he's another guy that just hasn't been able to get playing time in Sacramento. The fact that the likes of Otto Porter, Wayne Ellington, Hassan Whiteside, Mo Harkless, all of the the (laughs) names you'd usually be salivating at the mouth for if you're the Lakers in the buyout market with those two open roster spots. They're not going anywhere. And I don't know why it's, it's, it's the playing spot. I've been pro playing spot since they introduced it last season. I hate it right now because it makes it so hard for a team to gauge whether or not they're going to be in the postseason, and therefore harder for them to just cut ties with the players. So as you can see, it's something I've thought a lot about over the last six hours, and I'd, and I'd like answers as soon as possible. You know, I hadn't even considered Harkless. I had forgotten he was on Sacramento until you just mentioned it now, <laughs> uh, which is a shame because I believe I wrote about that earlier today, or at least edited a story about that earlier today. Right. <laughs> but yeah, the white side thing was a little surprising. Uh, the Ellington thing is the most surprising because Detroit is not in the play-in picture. <laughs> So what are you doing, Troy Weaver? Like, just clear them out so you can sign more guys who went to Syracuse or played for the Thunder and you'll be happier. You could just let him go, shoot some shots in the postseason, but it is what it is. I would be perfectly happy if the Lakers signed Damian Jones if Andre Drummond were unavailable. I don't think that either of those players should be playing that much for the Lakers in the postseason. But it's nice to have a third center just to be there when your starting center can only play 15 minutes and maybe you need a guy to just soak up some fouls and stand in the middle for a few minutes and just be big. That works. 
Uh, KCP threw a lob to Trez today that did a perfect parabola because it came all the way down because that's how short Montrez Harrell is. Like he was throwing a lob for Dwight. It worked miraculously, but I, I cannot tell you how many times KCP has thrown a lob for Dwight this season. And it just it has landed four feet later in Montrez Harrell's <laughs> It's, it's a weird time. But yeah. Uh, you know, Marquise Morris was a surprisingly good addition for the Lakers last year. Uh, I would say he's among the top five of all time buyout candidates in terms of their impact in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting the Lakers to get anybody of that quality. I believe that this is a team when healthy that can win title. Yeah. That opinion has not changed. I don't think that they're the favorite. I did not think that coming into this season, um, Nothing that has happened at the deadline has made me more concerned about teams in the West. Really the Harden thing was the main thing that uh, changed my opinions about the NBA picture as a whole, but I don't feel broadly speaking worse about the Lakers today than I did a day ago. Mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed. Not going to lie. A little disappointed. <laughs> you know, that number seven Jersey, I have a Lakers number seven Jersey. I would love to just cross out Odom and write Lowry and tape over it. It's not going to happen. I mean, you could still do it. You just look weird. I would look weird. Yeah. yeah. Especially when I'm going to cover a Clippers game. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think anybody in the West scares me any more than they did a day ago. You know, I like what Denver did. I think Aaron Gordon's quite a fun player. I thought Gary Harris was a really good player for them in the playoffs last year. I'm not overly concerned about what's happening there. What really needs to happen for the Lakers is they need to get healthy. Mm-hmm. They need to stay above the second seed. And I think those things are going to happen. Like they should happen in time, but Oh my God, is it going to be a painful three weeks waiting for it to happen? Yeah. I, I don't buy into the, let's worry about the postseason when we make it talk because the Lakers are going to make the post, like they've lost four games in a row mm-hmm. and they're still like in four, two and a half games up mm-hmm. of the nuggets in, in the three seed. So that's something i'm overly concerned about but yeah with each loss it's like huh that's interesting start looking at the plan rules yeah uh but yeah health health is the number one priority for this team hopefully marcus all uh you know continues to get his legs back under him starts playing more minutes because i do genuinely think he's he's going to be a big help with whatever role he plays Mm um and then yeah those that those Two guys, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They were pretty good last season, and I'd like them back now, please. I miss them. I have seen enough of (laughs) Anthony Davis's wardrobe. I am satisfied with the knowledge that I have of his sweater collection. I'm good. We can just get back to, you know, playing clothes, Anthony, like sometime soon. (laughs) Um, Before we go. Oh, okay. Dave McMenamin just Mm -hmm. tweeted... uh, Dennis Schroeder, when asked about being included in trade talks, says that he still wants to be a Laker, but wants to see his options in the offseason. It sounds like he will not be pursuing a contract extension with L.A. before the summer. Quote, it's a crazy business. Okay, so we should probably just hit on this for a quick second. Um, For those of you who are unfamiliar, at the moment, the Lakers can offer Dennis Schroeder an extension up to four years, $83 million. It's a lot of money. Um, it's basically what Fred Van Vliet got this offseason from the Toronto Raptors. Now, I don't know about you. I happen to think that Van Vliet is a far superior player to Dennis mm-hmm. Schroeder. But 
as I kind of alluded to earlier, he's currently on a 470 contract. He is now a starting point guard. There is every reason to believe that he will demand more money. I was a little wary of the possible extension. I got to tell you, I'm not overly concerned about this because what team is going to pay Dennis Schroeder the money that he wants? Yeah, especially a cap space team. Like right? how, how many teams are actually going to have cap space that have a hole at point guard? And if we sign um, and trade him, good yeah. for us, right? Mm-hmm. But like, am I worried about Miami signing Dennis Schroeder? No, nah. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting, though. Caught my eye. But I agree. I, I mean, it looks like there's nothing we can do about it. We'll just have to see, wait how it plays out in the offseason. So seems like a good place to end the show. <laughs> just just real quick. What kind of contract would you be comfortable giving Dennis? Uh, probably four years. So, I mean, assuming he wants a four year, like wants to maximize his money. Uh, I think four years, 60 million is probably fair. That's around the ballpark I'd give him. Yeah. And if he wants to go out in free agency and find out what's there and then come back to the Lakers, <laughs> I would have to imagine that it increases our leverage and negotiations. <laughs> if he comes back to the table. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about this because I've, I've thought about this. I just don't see where another team is going to be like Dennis Schroeder is the guy to take us yeah. over the top. I mean, okay. He might have some cap space, but <laughs> Yeah, I and you wrote about it. You actually wrote something very nice about Dennis Schroeder's. I hear he plays well with Shea Gildas Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's an interesting note to end on because uh, we're going to be living in uncertainty for the next few weeks. And this no, is just it. another thing to add to our list of concerns that we can do nothing about. So thank you, Dennis. Uh, thank you, Lakers, for, God, just being entertaining enough for me to be invested in the game through the fourth quarter and then still crushed by the end of it. Thank you, Dan Green, for reminding me of why I liked having you as a Laker for that one season. I hope you like your ring. <laughs> um, just, it has been a delight talking to you, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for subscribing to the Silver Screen Roll podcast. Make sure you're listening to our show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever podcasts are available, and we will catch you next week. Yeah, 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 yeah.